Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon discuss the PFA offering help to Manchester United in a bid to resolve the disputes between Eric Ten Hag and Jadon Sancho. Do pundits and former players have a responsibility to protect referees? We speak to the founder of Ref Support UK, Martin Cassidy, after former England midfielder Jermaine Genus apologised for abusing a referee online. Plus, the British Boxing Board of Control are facing accusations of racism and discrimination from two of their former referees and a flyweight boxer. Sports reporter Jordan Jarrett Bryan joins us to help us to get to the bottom of it all. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. The PFA, we are hearing, the Professional Footballers Association, no less, has offered to help in an attempt to resolve the dispute between Eric Ten Hag and Jadon Sancho Mm -hmm. at Manchester United. There's a kind of help you don't need. Um, Well, Ten Hag has made Sancho train on his own, as we know, after uh, the player refused to apologise for his social media post, claiming that uh, he was being made a scapegoat Mm -hmm. after the manager told the media that his training... And what he was showing, or more importantly, what he wasn't showing in training, was far from the standards that United uh, that United won. Yeah. Um, when you cast your mind back three weeks ago, this is where it all started. When Ten Hag saying this, Jaden was um, on his performance on the training. We didn't select him. You have to reach a level every day on Manchester United, and we can make choices in the front line. Yeah. And so for this game, he wasn't selected. So he's not selected. It's gone from bad to worse because now he's been pretty much banished from the place yeah. and been told to stay away. No doubt in full pay. Would it be in full pay? Yeah, I mean, he will... In in real terms, what you'd like to do if you have a real dis- situation is removing from, from the training ground full stop. But the PFA will step in and say, uh, sporting chance, he needs to be able to train as part of the obligation that you have to him as a contract. So you have to provide an environment for him to train in. 
So realistically, the PFA have already probably got their noses in the, in the, in the trough and put in their two penithing, which basically brings solutions to absolutely nobody. I've had situations like this. I had a situation with a goalkeeper and Trevor Francis where the PFA's contribution was everything but, but constructive and most of the time divisive and, and causing more angst. Look... You don't think the PFA's got an important role to no, play I here? No, I, I, I must... Because I think they do. Well, they probably do because they have to justify their existence. But the reality... They wouldn't make a comment to us this morning. Well, I'm sure they won't because they'll fall on infertile ground with me because I've had experience of them. This may be a different PFA and it may be a new fangled PFA. I doubt it. I doubt it. Surely someone's got a broker a deal here. Mm. Because Ten Hag's not for no, budging. No, player's got to do as he's told. Uh, Sancho's not for budging. It's a bit of a... It's, it's, it's like it's, the multi-strike situation well, in this country. It's a moment. really simple situation. Do I think that Ten Hag... Do I think what Ten Hag said was outrageous? No, I don't. Do I think it was probably ill-advised and unnecessary? Possibly, because I think the best managers don't necessarily out their players in the public domain. But they, the, the level of outing is so... So so mundane. It's just you haven't met the standard in training. It's not you're useless. We hate you. We want to get rid of you. The player's divisive and a destructive influence. It's none of that. It's a throwaway observation that perhaps wasn't thrown away. Perhaps it was designed, steeped in probably history, for a manager that gave this player special dispensation a year ago and involved himself to such a point that the player went and got himself rehabilitated in some shape or form in the manager's own country. So all of that comes to the fore. Then you've got a player deciding that he's taken exception to it. Took to social media. And decides that he's going to go through social media. He said he was being made now, a scapegoat. I, I see idiot commentators that turn around here and, and we've got one of them coming on this afternoon talking about the racism of boxing, saying that the opinion of me saying, you know, that the player should learn his place is getting the bin. People need to grow up and look at the reality. You've got to have order. The player should never have spoken out. If he had a real issue, he should have gone to the manager. And spoken to the manager and said, that's a bit unnecessary, boss. What the hell's that about? By the way, what do you mean? And how do we resolve this problem? Yeah, but, but that's a key point. Your last point, Simon, how do you resolve the, the problem? If you were at the top of the house at United, would you crack their heads together? Uh, I would ask the manager the length and breadth. First of all, I'd be across it from the outset. I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be away from it. I wouldn't understand in in the abstract. I would understand in the specifics. How have we got to this point? Okay, you're the manager. What do you want to do? I want him gone. Gone. End of discussion. In January. Seriously, if Ten Hag said, I want him out of here, you're right, okay, consider it I, done. I, I would say, how have we got to... I, I would know how we've got to this point. I would understand explicitly and implicitly... I would be clearly and unequivocally in line with my manager because he's the guy I have a relationship with. I don't want a relationship with the players. I'm not interested in the players' point of view. This isn't a bureauc- This isn't a democracy. It's an autocracy. The manager runs the football operation. His job is to manage the players. If the manager says you're not training well enough, end of discussion. If I don't think the manager's good enough to do his job, end of discussion. If the players come to me and say, oh, please, we really want you to keep him, I wouldn't listen to their opinion, he'd be sacked. Right, and- we're not at that stage yet. What if this morning, you got a call from the PFA saying, morning, uh, Mr. Mr. Owner, we want we want to mediate in this situation between your manager and your player. Would you give that the thumbs up? I, I would, to coin the aforementioned journalist that made observations about my opinions on Twitter, I'd be getting the bin. I don't want your help. You are of no help to me whatsoever. You're not interested in providing a solution. You're interested in representing the player. This is my player, my employee. I don't need your help. My manager, if I believe, if, I, if I'm not close to this and all of a sudden there's surprises coming out and the manager's been, have been, have been abusing this player and victimising him and really singling him out, I would already be privy to that sort of information. I would have the wrong guy in the dugout. If I've got a manager that's not capable of managing players even-handedly and fairly, then I shouldn't have him in the dugout in the first place. If I believe he's the guy for the job, 
Then he comes to me and says, Mr. Chairman, Mr. Owner, Mr. Chief, Mr. Chief Executive Officer, I've got a problem with this player. This, pro this player, A, first of all, isn't performing anywhere near the level that he should be performing in the last two years. B, he's not responding to any kinds of cajoling, persuading or guidance. C, perhaps it was not the greatest call that I made to say something in the media, but I did it for a reason. And D, this is what we got from the player. And E, the player's, mm. in, the, the player's prepared to die on this particular hill by entrenching himself in a position. So I sit here and I say, look, the reality of it is, which is the, which is the more valuable? The player that's now on my balance sheet at 40 million quid that I can sell in January for probably the, right, for the same amount of money and get out of this problem, or the manager, the manager. And if your manager said, if Ten Hag was your manager and said, Simon, gone as far as I can, need him out, he'd be gone by lunchtime. He would be, well, he wouldn't be because he wouldn't be able to sell him because he'd be on a trip, it would be selling him in January. But we'd have a very clear situation. I would like to think that two grown men could find a solution to a particular problem. I yeah. would be un unimpressed that it's found its way into the media. The last people, the last people, if I had a hole in my backside, the last people that I would ever ask to mediate this situation would be the PFA. And I speak from experience, not from any particular vitriol, because I know how they operate. They'll provide no solutions, they'll come entirely down on the side of the player, and they'll bring nothing of value. It's my understanding that the, the, the PFA, I think, will view this, that they have an important role to play. So, well, they don't. although it's unconfirmed, I expect the PFA to get involved. Uh, we've reached out to um, San agent, a man called Emika Obasi, um, asked him for his comments. Uh, thus far, nothing, but we'll keep checking. There's Alan James, one of the listeners this morning. If Ten Hag was getting results and performances, then nobody would be questioning the handling of Sancho. The issue is this, he's trying to rule with an iron fist, this is Ten Hag, without first sorting out his own performances. Ten Hag will be gone by next season. Well, not much Maybe, there. but not because of player power, because if you've got player power... End of your football club. There's Carl in Liverpool. The treatment of Sancho over the past few weeks is nothing short of bullying and would not be tolerated in any other workplace. If his training attitude lacked professionalism, that should have been dealt with behind closed doors, not in public what domain as comparison. it was. What a stupid comparison. Any other workplace doesn't have a public domain-facing perspective. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. You know, it wasn't that long ago, I think it was in August, uh, Jermaine Genus, one-time footballer, now, of course, top pundit on uh, multi-broadcast platforms, if you like. He led the Love Football Protect the Game campaign, jointly organised by the FA, the Premier League, the EFL and Professional Footballers Association, amongst other footballing bodies. And he made a video which would broadcast on the organisation's websites and social media channels. So, I mean... There were then, quite rightly, a few raised eyebrows, Simon, over the weekend when the same former England midfielder and BBC presenter Jermaine Genus um, popped out the referee is a S-house less than two months after he was the figurehead of that campaign that I've just mentioned. Uh, it was a North London derby. It was a key moment uh, in the game. And he posted uh, on Twitter, complete S-house of a referee. They're all ruining our game. <laughs> Since then, Jermaine has apologised. I hold my hands up. I got it wrong. I should know more than most the responsibility we have as fans, players and pundits and the impact our words online can have as it's an area I've been vocal in. My emotions got the better of me. Yeah. I apologise to the FA and all match officials. What's he apologising for? Being caught in a situation where he's made himself look foolish, hypocritical and disingenuous? Or is he apologising for 
the language for the fact that he's got it wrong and that the, the referee didn't operate this way and no one's trying to ruin the game. I would wager you he's trying. He's apologising for the fact that ultimately some blowback to his ridiculous observation. Well, let's find out what did the referees think about it. The founder of Ref Support UK is Martin Cassidy. Martin, good morning to you. Um, is the matter over in your eyes now that Genus has apologised? Well, it's a very shallow apology because the tweet's still up. I looked about 20 minutes ago, it's still up. So it just makes that apology look just completely shallow. And I agree with Simon is that, you know, he was okay to take all this money off the FA for these campaigns, I presume, I presume. And then he, he goes and does this and he has done other other tweets like this. And I think I think it's interesting this with ex-players, pundits and, and current players that you, you had a really good discussion, Simon, about the PFA and their involvement with what's happening with Sancho. But you never see them get involved with this sort of thing when players and clubs are tweeting stuff about referees and they never make a statement to say they condemn any, any form of these behaviours. Same with the LMA. So I think there's a piece that needs to be done there where the PFA get involved with their members and the LMA doing things like this that then gets reflected at the grassroots game where on the same day of that tweet, we receive a video of a referee getting chased by a member of a club and luckily someone stopped him, you know, receiving a beating. So I believe it's all connected. I really do. I've actually, I've seen that video. It's uh, it's um, viral. It's being run on YouTube right now. If you're watching on YouTube and Facebook, you'll see this. This is a video of a linesman being chased in the aftermath of an under-18s match. Uh, what, what's your knowledge of it? What more do you know, Martin? Well, it's like a lot of things happen. You know, I had a discussion with Simon a while back about how we can be hypocritical, the way we have a go at people and we criticise people having a go at us. But sometimes hypocrisy is all we've got left. And this video was sent to us as um, in confidence, you know, to see what happens. The, the lad who's chasing the uh, referee uh, was a, was the club assistant referee. Referee asked for his uh, flag back. He wouldn't give him. He then, uh, under-18 player, allegedly called him a really insulting name. He regarded that player and that player apparently was that chap dad who chased him off the pitch. And one of the worrying things, I don't know if the sound could be heard on that, guys, is uh, these under-18 players are laughing when that referee is getting getting chased. And that's a sad indictment on the future of our game. I think that that's acceptable and that that's, that that's funny. And I just yeah. think that's a, that's a bit of a worry in here. It's outrageous, isn't it? Who, who was the idiot chasing him? I don't know. It's attached to a, to a club. I think it'd be unfair to mar the whole club, but one person's uh, behaviour here. But I think it's the it's under-18s game, you know, it's just, just you know, young young adults there seeing this. And again, on the same weekend, uh, we got a report of a, a mother of a 14-year-old autistic female referee who got threatened and they were recording him and were helping that family. With, so it's just every level. No one seems to... The FA, look, like I've had to go with the FA and I know we have together collectively about how they haven't dealt with stuff in the past. And they've 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 up their game with the body cam pilots, with the points deduction, with, which would be great to go to pro level, but I can't see that happening. But other stakeholders in the game need to step up here with the FA and start to make the game safer together because having someone like, you know, a, a person of influence like him think it's appropriate to do that. Well, That's just a real bad yeah. sign. A real bad sign. real bad sign. Yeah, but I this mean, is the point I make, Jim. On, I, I never thought that I'd find myself in a position where I'd be such an advocate for supporting officialdom, and and I've you know I've spent time with Howard. I had that interview with Mike Dean where he said things that perhaps didn't help him, but I feel very strongly that 
the referees are a fundamental part of the game and they're entitled to respect and the value of referees without games Danny Murphy talked about it last week he talked about an instance with his own son playing in a game and a member of the public or one of the other fathers yeah. went after the referee because, because and Danny stopped it because the referee said I'm going to stop this game in a second the guy was effing and jeffing at, uh, the, the, at the official Yeah, and this 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 <laughs> None of the parents go after the kids on the pitch that have dived or, or or created a problem on a pitch. They go after the referee and blame the referee. Listen, referees should be accountable for poor decisions. But this culture of a lack of value and vilification of referees and this complete disrespect, which is heralded by pundits. I made the point the other day about the punditry side of things, and I made it quite robustly on the show about these pundits are creating a temperature around these referees. They need to pare it back a little bit. And here you've got the hypocrisy of somebody that stood in front of a comp- campaign. I mean, the double standards of disingenuity and the dishonesty of standing in front of a campaign and the first instance of a referee not falling in line with something that you agree, you turn it into that. And the only reason you're apologising, and he's right, Martin, we're at the PFA are never at the coalface when it comes to any condemnation of their members' behaviour. There'll be a, a coalface when they think their members are not are get, not getting something they're entitled to, and it's fundamentally wrong. And I know that the FA have looked at body cams for the referees. The culture of the way that referees are treated in this country yeah. is wrong. It's wrong, I'm afraid. I mean, G- Gina's used this term to, and he's apologised for it, calling the referee an S-house. The referee in the North London derby was... Uh, Rob Jones. Would you like Genus to personally apologise to, to Rob Jones, Martin? Well, first of all, I'd like to start with getting the tweet taken down and, and own the mistake, really. It's still up and again, there, is it? Yeah, it's still up there when I look before we come on this show. And 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 I don't want to cancel anyone. We were talking about the cancel culture in this world. We want to cancel abuse. We want to cancel online abuse, all forms of abuse. The body cam pilot, why that's really an attractive thing to do. That's going to address all forms of abuse in the game, not just referees. So that's really important. But I just think that to 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 they're always saying about referees being accountable, which I think they should. We'd like to see them come out on camera and discuss decisions. Howard Webb's doing that brilliant work with the VAR discussions. We're all for that. But it's this sort of entitlement that because I play the game, I can say what I want about referees. And it just gets carried down yeah. to those incidents which we just yeah. talked about with 14-year-olds, young boys and girls seeing this behaviour mimicked on the sidelines like you do with a Peter Couch goal celebration, Ronaldo goal celebration, all these these are learned behaviours that people need to realise that when you fire a starting gun on a tweet, it can end up in a death threat and worse. Martin, thanks for that. I know you're a big TalkSport fan, aren't you? Um, and I know you listen to our show and we're delighted about that. I'm hearing that Jermaine Genius is going to be on Drive later today. So that in itself might only be good, uh, Martin, because then we'll be able to hear what he's got to say for himself. Yeah, and, and fair play to him. You know, it's great. It's what we want. We don't want this, these discussions to stop. We want these discussions to be discussed and people to learn from them. We can learn. We've made mistakes. What we've done is, is a group and, and the referees make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. But it's this collective approach that's missing from the LMA, yeah. the PFA, and everyone to take control of this and make a, a much better experience for young boys and girls coming into our game. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. A lot going on in the world of boxing. It seems, Simon, that that is one sport that is not short of talking points. But the latest here is this. The British Boxing Board of Control today faces accusations of racism and discrimination. Um, this follows a Channel 4 report, Racism in boxing. The allegations have come from two of the former referees, judges Ian John Lewis and Jeff Hines, and from flyweight boxer Ruxana Begum. The board, of course, deny the allegations. The report was aired by Channel 4. In it, Begum, she reveals that the dealings she has had with the board have led her to believe that they are racist at the board. Let's get more on this. Someone who fronted the, this Channel 4 report joins us now. And we know him here at TalkSport. Of course we do. Jordan, Jarrett, Brian. Jordan, good afternoon. Good afternoon, boys. How are we doing? Good, thank you so much. Um, let's get into the, the nuts and bolts of this, Jordan. For anyone who, who hasn't seen it, t- tell us about the findings of it and how you went about this report. Yeah, well, this has been a long going, uh, an ongoing, long investigation that we Channel 4 News have been um, conducting for nearly a year now, where three individuals have serious allegations and claims of racism in boxing. So two of them being referees, uh, Jeffrey Hines and Ian John Lewis, and a former kickboxer who turned into transitioned into boxing, Rosanna Begum. Now, the, 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 the allegations are slightly different, but they all pertain to allegations of racism, and in Rosanna's case, racism and uh, discrimination because of her faith and her gender. Um, the three are, with, with Ian's case, he claims that he has been uh, downgraded unfairly. This this is kind of culminated in a very high-profile fight that I know you guys have spoken about at length over the last year or so between Catterall and uh, Taylor. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, Josh, uh, yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, Jack Catterall and Josh Taylor. On you go. That's right, yeah. And off the, off the back of that, he was called in for an investigation. He feels that he was downgraded uh, due to his race. Uh, in the case of Jeffrey Hines, he feels the opposite. He's not been allowed to have the opportunities to go up a level in his career due to claims of racism. And in Roxana's case, she feels that uh, she too has been uh, discriminated against and opportunities weren't afforded to her because of her race, religious right. beliefs and right. her gender. Well, I mean, Jordan, in the case of uh, John Lewis, that fight in question, I think it's fair to say there was a highly controversial decision. And sure. uh, 
John Lewis scored at 114-111 in favour of Josh Taylor. And many in the world of boxing, including ourselves, thought that Catterall was robbed. Now, John Lewis tells you on Channel 4, I'm absolutely disgusted. They, they used me as a scapegoat. Mm. Um, they were under so much pressure from the British Boxing Board of Control that they needed someone to be punished, and they chose me. They singled me out, and I believe it's because I'm black. How can he, ju- how can he justify that, and do you agree with them that he was singled out on that premise? Well, his justification is that he feels there was another judge uh, on that same lineup who, albeit by a narrower margin, agreed with his 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 scorecard. He gave the same same result as he did. I see. And 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 Ian says, well, why wasn't he called in? Now there may be issues beyond that we're unaware of between the board and John Lewis that culminated in them calling him in. But he's saying, well, hang on a minute, you can't say that on the basis of my scorecard being wildly inaccurate, you're calling me in and suspending me, whereas my colleague gave the same results, but you haven't you haven't called him in. So that's the, that's the basis of why he feels discrimination is at play here. Now, I mean, what what I feel about his scorecard is not really important. We can all give our opinion. Unions, that's fine, but he claims that uh, he was he was uh, stood down on the basis of, of the color of his skin. On and, the color and of his my skin. job as a journalist is to hear that and, and report that. He has to prove that they're, they're taking the board to court, and he has to prove that in court with evidence that backs up his claim. But all my interest is in is, is listening to these claims and airing them on the basis that. Um, I believe they they have the rights to be to be aired. Of course, um, the board have denied all the allegations. Simon, what's your take on it? I mean, we're in the territory of feelings over facts. I think if you look at the facts behind the issue and you look at the body of work that Ian has put forward, I think a lot of people in the boxing fraternity have looked at his career and looked at his recent career and looked at even fights like the Shannon Briggs versus Vitaly Klitschko fight, which was a very difficult fight for him to handle and there were lots of mistakes made in that fight and feel that he's got himself into last chance saloon and the results that came out of the Jack Cattrall fight were not an individual assessment based upon that individual fight. It was based upon the fact that a lot of people don't think he's up to the standard and don't think that his career path is going in a direction that a top-class referee should be going in and the decisions that he's making are wrong and it has nothing to do with his colour. He feels it's to do with his colour. I mean, the difficulty in life is, as, as I often maintain, when we talk about feelings, feelings often get trumped by facts. If you look at the situation with the, the woman boxer, of course there was a lot more complex and a lot more nuance to this. Yeah, She wore leggings coming into the ring. She talked about the nature of the manner in which she was spoken to by a British Boxing Board of Control member. She talked about her record. But if you go behind that and you see that she's done, because her religion precludes her from having uh, bare legs. Yeah. Well, you go behind that, she's done a photo shoot in shorts in a newspaper with bare legs. You go behind that and she's fought an opponents that have had 11 losses and one win and she loses to them and the British Boxing Board of Control got involved because she was a very poor fighter in their view. So when we start to make racism part of the argument, we need to be specifically clear about facts rather than feelings because it's a very trigger subject that gets people involved and it needs to be qualified and steeped in substance before people start shouting around tropes like institutional racism and systemic racism in a sport. So, Jordan, think- to that extent, is there, is there a case here of feelings over facts? 
Well, I think but the three individuals, they're going to have to back up their what, what their experiences are with facts. They're, they're going to court. So in the court, feelings are not going to stand up. So my, my thinking is you don't take on an entire board that run British boxing unless you have uh, facts that can back up what, what it is that you're saying. So... Yeah, feelings in in the matter of the law aren't really the most prevalent and defining factor here. But I just don't see these three individuals taking this to where they're taking it unless they're confident they have the facts to say that actually the experiences that I have uh, had with the board and the the negative experiences are, are, are based on racism. And I just also look at the kind of the macro level of what's going on here. If you look at the board and look at other sports as well, the people that run and lead the sports that we all love, the lack of diversity at the top of this is poor. I'm not here to say whether they, these these boards are racist or not, but you can't serve. But a lack of representation, these- Jordan, doesn't mean racism. That's a race to assumption. And the vice chair of the British Boxing Board of Control is indeed a person of colour in Guy Williamson. So whilst you might not have the representation of certain ethnicities that would be moving towards a territory of equality, diversity and inclusion, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's racism steeped behind it. And sport's job is not to provide equality, it's to provide an opportunity for meritocracy to be the definer of equality, for the opportunities for people to be the best in class, to be in a position of influence and authority. Not to, set, not, not to set about with quotas and representation because that suits the agendas of people that think there should be quotas of representation. But that's the problem. If you don't have representation at the top end of the board, who defines then what is good? Who then defines what the what that meritocracy looks like? If you've got a board that's made up of mainly white men, they're going to find it harder to identify with what is good if you are, say, a female Asian boxer. Well, good, so I well, think good, if well, have- good is good, isn't it? I mean, the makeup of the Premier League, which is an elite football league that dominates world football in terms of its construct and constituency, is predominantly mm-hmm. white guys running the Premier League. And you turn around and say, they, they would know what good looks like. Do I think the British Boxing Board of Control could do better? Do I think in 1948, when the rules said that you could only win a British title if you were white, needed to have been changed? Yes, they did, and that's why they were they were changed. Do I think that they could advance the thinking behind it? But when you're accusing somebody of racism, because that's what you feel, it doesn't necessarily mean it to be a fact. And when you've got somebody that's saying, I was considered to be... Uh, I was spoken to in a certain fashion by a British boxing, but this is the the young lady, and because Mm -hmm. I was wearing leggings, should she have to ask for dispensation to wear leggings? Possibly not. Should they adapt their rules to suggest that people of faith that have certain religious constraints should have those as a matter of course? But if she's doing photo shoots in shorts, that argument falls away a little bit, doesn't it? I think that's a fair point, but I also look at the kind of, the, if you look at the referees in this country in boxing, I find it very difficult to believe that we only have, well, it was three, but I spoke to two black referees in the history of sports. But why sport, is that, Jordan? Okay, well, how many what, black what, jockeys have we got? Is, is horse racing racist because it's got no n- black jockeys? No, n- no, 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 but I find it very difficult to believe, and I can't stand to it, I find it hard to believe that only three black individuals have come forward to want to be referees in the sport of boxing. And if those two that I spoke to have come through, only those two have made the grade, I find that very difficult to believe. What, and what, the two what of the them British both bo- have complaints. What did the British Boxing Board of Control say on that, Jordan, uh, well, they, they, as they, regards they, the numbers of uh, non-whites coming forward to be referees at that level? Well, we invited them onto the programme to kind of defend the, 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 themselves against the allegations and they politely decline, which is their right. They say that they, they don't identify with an issue of institutional racism. They say that the reasons why... Um, 
the the two referees in in, in question here, you know, have been dealt with how they've been dealt with isn't based off off of the color of their skin. But I go back to my point. I just find it very hard to believe that so many people in this country love boxing and want to be a part of boxing, and only two black referees come through. Okay, I'm not saying. Let's I'm ask, saying, I'm, let's I'm ask the question. Do you want? Do you understand what? the ecosystem? Because on both of these referees, I, I don't disagree with you that if there's not enough of a supply chain, then it does seem that a significant proportion of boxing, 30 to 40% of the fighters, are from uh, you know a, a minority ethnicity. So it would seem strange that there wouldn't be a, a ref, more referees. Obviously in America you've seen top referees like Richard Steele and Miles Lane that have come, not Miles Lane, but Richard Steele certainly, yeah. that have come through that are black referees. Mm -hmm. But you look mm -hmm. at it and say, how is the ecosystem working? You look at the nuance behind the three examples. If this is a year-long report, the three examples that you've got have significant context and nuance to them. It is universally, or, or, or certainly there is a consensus that Ian's performances over a period of time were substandard. There was also an opinion that Jeff, after being a referee in a fight where someone died, has had challenges in the manner in which he refereed after that. So these are decisions that are based upon nuance. We talk about the girl. I've given you two examples of the contradiction to the argument that she wishes to allege that her feelings suggest that there was racism involved that give it a completely different feel. So my balance in this conversation is I would mm. like to see the best in class, whoever they are, being given the best opportunities. And if the ecosystem, and you can point your finger at it, because the argument I have in football is why isn't enough black coaches? And then we find out the statistics that 13% of coaches that are being qualified with the badges are from that particular community. So how do you expect to have more representation if only one in 10 coaches that are coming through are from that community? We have to look at understanding why the ecosystem isn't working rather than naturally assuming mm. that it's steeped in some form of I, racism. I, I, I think that's a fair point, but you also have to ask the question, why are so few black in the sport of football coaches coming through in the first place in terms of putting themselves forward? There must be a reason. I mean, you've, you've had on the programme, on, on the station, sorry, the likes of Danny Rose and other black footballers yep. that have just said, I don't even think about applying to become a coach because I know what's awaiting me. So whilst you're right that, yes, there's just not enough black coaches to become top coaches and managers in the sport of football. But my question is, why are there so, so few black coaches coming forward in the first place? It can't be because we don't like football. Well, then you have, to, we, ask the we do. you have to ask the community. You're, you know, you're a member of that community. You have to ask that community itself because you've got 35% of the football clubs in this country have employed a black manager, professional football but, clubs. But and Simon, yet, and yet it seems to be the same managers. I had this, this conversation with John my... Barnes when I asked John mm -hmm. Barnes, why didn't you get more jobs? And he said, because I wasn't given an opportunity because of my colour. I said to him, well, you never applied to me and I was applying managers for fun. Why didn't you knock on my door? I didn't know you. I said, well, I didn't know Neil Warnock. I didn't know Trevor Francis. I didn't know Steve Bruce, but they got in the door and I would have given you an interview. And so there is an element of responsibility on the community rather than pointing at the structure and saying, it's everybody else's fault. They need to give me an opportunity. That to I, me to... Is, 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 is the wrong way of looking at it. No, I, I think it's the right way. Let me tell you why, because it goes back to my point earlier on about asking for representation at the top level. If certain amounts of people from my community are not coming forward, I put that at the feet of, well, why? It's not like we don't like football or don't like boxing. If the top of the sport is not representative and we don't feel like we're going to get a fair shot because there's not people that we can look to and identify with, and identify with But you us, can, Jordan. You, that, can look at, you can look at the sets. structure of the PFA. The PFA for Construct has had a, 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 a significant significant influence of ethnicity at the very top of it, from Bobby Barnes to the fellow that's in situ now, to George Berry, to whoever else I can name that have been involved in the PFA that have had significant influence. There are positions of authority.
authority and power where people of ethnicity have gotten opportunities to be influential and create the pathway if a pathway is needed. I've never followed anybody. I've never needed to see someone do something before I've done it. Everyone's different. I accept that. But it feels to me like a constant necessity to give people a reasons why they should be positioned into an opportunity rather than earn it through merits. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, when, when it gets down to it, we started this conversation about racism in boxing, the Channel 4 report. Where are you at with it? Can you say, as, as an impartial broadcaster, I know you to be, is, British, is the British Boxing Board of Control racist? Where have you come to in terms of that what, question? I, I, I'm not here to, to, to state whether they are racist or not. I'm just merely because I don't think that would be that would be fair. What I think is fair is to say that there's a problem, and I've been inundated over the weekend with people at various levels of boxing. To be fair, who have said that they have had negative experiences, and again, to be fair, both black and white people that have issues with how the board are working. But many black and many Asian people that work in the sport of boxing have been DMing me saying, "I'm glad you've done the report because I too have felt like, and to Simon's word, feelings don't matter when it comes to facts. Their experiences tell." them that the board don't understand how to welcome and and work with all types of people so i'm not going to say that they're racist but i think there's definitely an issue of representation which i think then links to experiences negative experiences of people of color that work within the sport i would certainly say the the board would have i would have thought it would have been better had they cooperated with you and taken part uh, in the report itself. But as you tell us, Jordan, they opted not to. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.